All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're tuned in to Oilers Nation every day with Tyler Uramchuk, live every weekday on the Nation Network YouTube. Well, we know Connor McDavid's in mid-season form, um, at least if you could make out what was happening on a broadcast that was brought to you in 8-bit. Uh, welcome into Oilers Nation every day. Way better quality than whatever we had to watch last night from Abbotsford. As always, coming to you from the Sports Closet Studio. If anyone knows where I can find a letter S, I would love to complete this sign. Shout out to our friends at the Sports Closet. You can find them online, sportscloset.ca. Short Park Mall, St. Albert Mall, Kingsway Mall as well. Three locations in the Edmonton area. The Oilers suffered a preseason loss last night. There's a little bit to break down, so let's get into it. That is our big topic. It's the lead. A back-and-forth affair between the Edmonton Oilers and Vancouver Canucks last night had the Oilers losing 5-4. If you listened to this show yesterday... And you would know both Liam and I were on the over. So how about that? Good start to our betting seasons. Um, but really, like, there was, I don't know, same old, same old from that game. McDavid was absolutely electric. We saw his absolutely beautiful goal as he ripped down the ice. He made a great play to James Hamblin as well on his goal. Zach Hyman, I thought, worked really hard, did a lot of really nice things, was solid on the penalty kill. Speaking of the penalty kill, the Oilers couldn't stay out of the box. So it was really hard to get a read on other pieces of the lineup unless they were a part of the penalty kill, really. So I don't know. I'm not concerned about like the discipline of the Oilers heading into the regular season. It was just annoying having to watch them kill a bunch of penalties when you could barely make out whose number and who was who on the ice. Um, other than that, 
Nuge, I liked his goal. If he shoots the puck more, I have him pegged as a 20-goal guy this season, especially with how much he'll be on the power play. And that was kind of all of my major takeaways from last game. I thought Pugliarvi and Holloway were fine. I thought Broberg was fine. It was just a lot of kind of like shrug and go, eh, that's preseason hockey. Uh, let's bring in our good friend Liam Horobin, who is sitting there today, was drinking a mimosa at one point. Um, actually, it was just orange juice, but that inspired me to go get orange juice of my own, Liam. Are you a name brand or store brand OJ guy? I am the cheapest one, which right now is the no name from Walmart. So only a dollar. Feel free to go grab one yourself. That's good value. And uh, with the overhitting yesterday, you can buy 20 gallons of orange juice from uh, <laughs> from Walmart at that price. Uh, what were your takeaways last night from the game? Yeah, kind of what you said, like the Oilers played a relatively strong Vancouver team and came out of it with an overtime loss and the Oilers didn't play a full strength team. The penalty killing, like you said, it's hard to give get a read on how everyone was doing five on five, but I'm not surprised they lost the game. I was glad to see guys playing like Holloway and Pugliari, like you said, they played fine and uh yeah, just overall kind of a, a performance I expected, I suppose. And now we only have one more preseason game to go on Friday and then on to the regular season, finally. Yeah, finally on to the regular season. Only 60 more minutes of preseason hockey to grind through. Um, there was one thing I did kind of want to talk about. It's the idea, you know, there are battles in camp, right? Um talked about Niemelainen and Broberg and what's going to happen on the third pairing of this team. But everyone keeps wanting to make a big deal of directly comparing Pugliarvi and Holloway. And Liam, do you know the saying, like, you can't have your cake and eat it too, right? Mm -hmm. You're familiar. I'm familiar with it. That makes no sense, right? Like, why would you want cake if you can't eat it? And where I'm going with this is there seems to be this thing going around, media, the fans, all of it, that... Both Holloway and Pugliarvi can't succeed here. Just one of them can succeed here. You know, oh, if you have depth, you immediately need to trade away the spare parts. And I'm here to tell you, you can have your depth and keep it too. Like, just because Holloway and Pugliarvi are both NHLers, in my opinion, doesn't mean you need to either, A, force Holloway to stay in the American League, where, I mean, he might be too good for that league right now. You don't need to trade Pugliarvi. You don't need to waive Pugliarvi. You don't need to waive Warren Fogle. You can go and kind of keep all of your pieces together here and just enjoy having a really deep forward group. I don't understand the need to always be using Holloway performances to knock down Pugliarvi or use Pugliarvi performances to say, ha, ah, I told you he was better than Dylan Holloway or I told you he's a better fit than Dylan Holloway. Like, they can both coexist on this Oilers team. There will be injuries this year. There will be guys who struggle. There will be all of that stuff. There will be games where Jay Woodcroft wants to go to the blender and really mix things up for five to ten shifts. If you have... 10 forwards that are capable of playing in your top nine, then there's not going to be moments this year where we're sitting there watching the Oilers take warm up ahead of game 32 at, in Arizona or Chicago or whatever. And we're going, Oh boy, they got Devin shore skating in the top six. That's not a very good idea. Like if you have depth, you're covered. And I don't understand the need for people to always be trying to run certain pieces out of town because they don't fit in the exact perfect role that you want them to. Yeah, I don't think Joe Sackick was looking at his team last season thinking, man, I have too many good players for this team right now. Yeah. I should definitely get rid of one. We just got to start putting our players against each other. At the end of the day, we know Woodcroft likes our flexibility with his forward group, playing 11 forwards. Like, 
what's to say at some point this season, Fogel isn't the 11th or 10th forward or whatever it is, and he's rotating through with McDavid. Like, that's much better than having guys come up from AHL and be like, okay, now I have to have 11 forwards because now yeah. I need McDavid to go there. Like, the depth on this team is is a positive for the Oilers right now. It's something we haven't seen for a long time, and we just got to let it play out. And now, that's not to say when the regular season starts, say somebody doesn't fit well in the lineup and then maybe you have to make an adjustment. But for now, like, we know what this forward group is capable of and these players are capable of. Like, let's just see how it plays out. And if it doesn't work, then address it down the line. We don't have to do anything to knee-jerk reaction right now. Uh, Guitar Maniacs 101 in the YouTube had a, a nice comment here. The battle between Pugliarvi and Holloway is about as real as the battle between Hyman and Samurikov for a roster spot. And like, yeah, that's tongue-in-cheek, but I think it's bang on. Like, both of these guys can exist. And I see Ethan's asking, isn't it a cap issue, though? And it is and it isn't. Like, yeah, if, if you got rid of Pugliarvi the day after the season started, you'd have a little bit more breathing room throughout the year. But you can make things work cap-wise with... Ogle, Pugliarvi, and Holloway all on the roster. You have to waive one of Ryan or Yanmark, which based on how I would say both of them have played, Yanmark specifically hasn't done much to wow me. You can waive one of those guys. They're not getting claimed. You're not missing anything there. You're going to have to run with a smaller roster than you would have last year. But again, with the Oilers' comfort with going 11-7 and seven last year, I don't see a problem with running a smaller roster. Like if something happens, it's a last-minute injury or sickness and you just have to run 11 and 7, that's fine. Like, I, I don't think you're that handicapped going into that hockey game, right? So I I think you can have your cake and eat it too in this situation. You can have a young Dylan Holloway playing in your top nine. You can keep Yessa Pugliarvi and not trade him for pennies on the dollar. It, it, it can happen. And I think there's a lot of people who just seem to gloss over that because it fits their narrative better. If there's this big, mean competition between Holloway and Pugliarvi, I just, it feels a little bit... Uh, Feels a little bit made up almost. And anyways, that's that's the annoying part. Um, the Oilers, they, they have 10 roster spots locked up. It's the usual guys we've been talking about, right? You got McDavid, Dreisaitl, Hyman, Kane, Yamamoto, Nuge, McLeod, Pugliarvi, Fogel. And I'm putting Holloway in that group. I think he has a spot on this team locked up. That means there's two more spots really left in this group. One of them's likely going to go to Yanmark or Derek Ryan. And then your last spot, it basically comes down to Shore versus Brad Malone. Although I will say, James Hamblin is making me think. Like, this guy's going to get NHL games. Talk about injuries. He would be very high on my list of call-ups. Um, but I, I think it probably boils down to Shore versus Brad Malone. Malone is $88,000 cheaper. That could very well play into the equation here for the Edmonton Oilers. Um, but that's really kind of it those are the decisions the Oilers have to make uh down the final few games here they wrap up their preseason schedule tomorrow night with a matchup against the Seattle Kraken we're going to be joined by our friend Brock Sagan in a few minutes here um but something else I wanted to get into today yesterday Frank Saravalli joined this show and he started his run of weekly segments on Oilers Nation every day with a bang dropping in that the Oilers and Evan Bouchard really haven't had much dialogue when it comes to his next contract the 22-year-old defenseman is an RFA at the end of this season and is coming off a year where he was one of the best offensive producers at 5-on-5 five five in the NHL. The Oilers aren't talking contract, and I think that's a mistake. What we've got here is we've pulled up some comparables. So I got Evan Bouchard. He's age 22. Right now, he's on that ELC. He's got one year left. He's got a career points per game of .48. Let me walk you through the comparables here. The easy solution for the Oilers is to go 
short term, right? It kicks the can down the road. They did it with Darnell Nurse and ended up biting them in the ass. But that would be the Noah Dobson kind of deal. He signed this contract when he was 22, came with a $4 million AAV. It's a three-year deal that doesn't quite bring him to unrestricted free agency, but relatively close. When he signed the deal, career points per game of 0.45. So almost right on with Bouchard. He's a guy who got power play time on Long Island as well. If the Oilers wanted to go a little bit more long-term, I have sort of those three examples in the middle there of, of player comparables. Quinn Hughes signed his ticket at 21 years old, came off a tremendous rookie season, had a sky-high points per game at the time of 0.75. He got six years by $7.85 million. It's a lot of money. I don't think Bouchard is worth that right now. Sam Girard, in his age 22 season, got a seven-year deal, $5 million per, had a points per game below what Bouchard was doing. And, I mean, they took a bit of a gamble there signing him to that contract. Um, there was talk even last summer that maybe they were looking to move that deal uh, just because of the emergence of Kale McCarr. They picked up Devontae's, all that. And then there's the Chikrin deal. He's maybe not a super direct comparable, better in his own end, better overall than Evan Bouchard. But he signed his deal at 21, $4.6 million, six years, $0.28. So the question I want to ask people in the YouTube comments, what, what kind of deal would you want to see the Oilers give Bouchard right now? Keep in mind, you know, if, if you're going to get a guy signed through some important years of his career, you have to pay a little bit. But where I'm going with this, I think it's a mistake to go three by four. Because if Bouchard, you know, there's going to be an eventual exit for a guy like Tyson Berry. When Bouchard starts getting power play one time, what happens if he pops? What happens if he has a 70-point season? What happens if he has a 75-80 point season? He's one of the highest scoring D-men in the league. Are you looking at a Zach Wierenski comp at that point? What if he gets better in his own end as well and, and starts to really look like a potential top pairing D-man, which I still have the belief he can be? Are you going to run the risk of going short-term, three-by-four, and when that, those three years are up, you're sitting there going, well, now we have Nurse at nine-point whatever, and now we got to give Bouchard a Zach Wierenski-type deal. Keep in mind, the cap's going to go up at that point. Like he could very well be with those cap increases, a $9 million defenseman one day. So are you smarter just saying, you know what? We'll bite the bullet. You don't have a ton of cap flexibility right now because you're in this win now mode, but you can do yourself a huge favor if you get him a deal that I think would probably come in somewhere between the Quinn Hughes, Sam Gerard contract. It'll be six, seven years around $6 million for the next two seasons. You're probably sitting there going, eh, it's a bit much, but I think in years, Three, four, certainly five, six, maybe seven if you're lucky. You're sitting there going, we got a great value deal, similar to what the Oilers did with Oscar Clefbaum. Uh, Liam, before we get to Brock in a couple of minutes here, because I know we're running a little behind, what would be the most you'd give Bouchard on like a six-year deal? On a six-year deal, I think between six and seven, probably maybe something around there. Like a lot of people in the in the YouTube chat, Bison King stand, as low as he'll go for eight years, and then Brendan Wozniak, eight by five. The guitar said a throwback to the six by six. So there's a lot of options. A few people have also said six by six, and someone even said he'll be an eleven million dollar man if we bridge. So that was from Bison King Stan. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. have I Liam think... in my ears. I hope everyone else is hearing what he's saying. Um, I, I can see the audio Hopefully. lines moving. I just don't have Liam in my ears. So anyways, um, I, I'm sure your points were great, Liam. I would love to say <laughs> I agree with you, but I heard none of it. Um, so anyways, let us know in the chat, what kind of deal would you like to see Evan Bouchard get? Because really the Oilers should be prioritizing this. Um, a couple of news and notes from around the league today. Sonny Milano released from his PTO in Calgary. I think with Holloway's emergence, 
Milano's a guy who I thought would maybe be a fit here a couple of weeks ago. I don't really see it that way anymore. And um, what else is there? Steve Stales is returning to the Oilers in an advisor role. He built up the Hamilton Bulldogs to be one of the better OHL teams over the last few seasons. So Stales is back, Milano released, and the Oilers have put Calvin Picard on waivers for the purpose of assignment down to the American League. With all of that out of the way, and uh, we do have confirmation, I'm the only one who couldn't hear what Liam was saying. Whatever. Uh, we're excited to welcome in a uh, friend of the show here. Let's get to the Fantasy Notebook with Brock Sagan. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn and has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Excited to welcome in a man who spent all summer outside of the Ontario gaming offices protesting the fact he can't play DFS in Ontario anymore. Brock, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Tyler. A uh, little nervous that uh, I'm following up Frank Saravalli, but uh, I'm already one behind. He had that beautiful studio, and I look like I'm coming live from a prison, so... <laughs> Uh, it's all good. The content will be good, and it is fantasy hockey season. Drafts are picking up with the regular season. Technically only a few days away with that weird European series, um, but where I want to start with this is at the start of fantasy hockey drafts. If you're one of those people sitting with a top five pick, it's a big, big decision to decide who you're going with. If we are talking standard scoring leagues, Brock, who's your top five? Well, I guess it's good to be on Oilers Nation every day uh, talking about the top five in fantasy hockey because number one for me is Connor McDavid. I think it's pretty obvious there. Um, but he's followed closely by Leon Draisaitl, and I think this is a little bit closer than people uh, might think just because of his left-wing eligibility. He's probably going to score a few more goals than Connor, and the point production is not going to be too drastically different. So Leon's close, number two, but... Uh, I think that's a good one, too, to have on Oilers Nation every day. Followed closely, though, by Austin Matthews. He'll probably lead the NHL in goals, uh, unless Leon has something to say about it. Um, and last year, we saw him kind of on pace for 120 points, which 
I don't know if anybody really thought he had that in him. Uh, but yeah, if he can get there, he's a clear-cut number three for me. Number four, Nikita Kucherov. Injuries the last two years have everyone seemingly down on him, but I'm not that worried. He's still one of the few players that can get to 120 points. Um, and I want the most upside possible in the early parts of my draft. And the number five, I have Kirill Kaprizov in Minnesota. He had 47 goals and 108 points last year, and seemingly no one seemed to notice. Uh, his wing eligibility is the real deciding factor for me, uh, having him ahead of Nathan McKinnon. McKinnon would be uh, six, Kale McCarr around seven. Um, but th there's a lot of big names. It feels like a deep year. Yeah, um, it really does feel deep. This is why, kind of similar to fantasy football for me, I almost don't hate, if you're not going to get one of those big guns, I like falling back and being in like the 11-12 spot and getting that swing where I can get two pillars I can build my team around. Because, I mean, you talked about Kaprizov at 47. Kyle Connor's a guy who I look at like later in, in those rounds who if I can get him and pair him up with someone else who I also view as high-end, that's gravy to me. Um, Oilers-specific question, because this is Oilers Nation every day. Outside of McDavid and Drysaddle, is there one player you're targeting in drafts? There's actually two, and you guys just talked about him quite a bit. Evan Bouchard, uh, you guys made a lot of these points already, but 81% of his 43 points came at 5v5 last year. And if you just take a look at Tyson Berry's production, it's pretty easy to assume Bouchard could add like 15 power play points. Um, if they even split time on that top unit. And if he has it all to himself, he's really somebody that could add 20, 25 points to his total and become like a 20 goal, 45 assist player, which would make him one of the best uh, fantasy defensemen. So to me, he he's somebody that's going kind of in the middle rounds that has just this really untapped potential, but his 5v5 production means he's got a pretty safe floor as well. Um, and then the other one's Evander Kane. Like in the regular season playoffs last year, he played 63% of his ice time with McDavid. He had 35 goals, 21 assists. And what I like about Kane is like, you get lots of players changing teams and you have to play this guessing game of if they're going to fit on the top line, if they're going to fit. We don't have to play that guessing game with Evander Kane. We've already seen it. We already know he's the best um, option to play with McDavid on that top line. So right now he's being drafted in the late fifth, early sixth round. And to me, I'm fine taking him in the late third, early fourth. He's worth reaching on because he's got 40 goal potential. Outside of Edmonton, who are some other fantasy sleepers you're keeping an eye on in mid to late rounds? Yeah, I don't know if so much I call these sleepers as much as I just think that they're players that are going way too late. So they're ADP. Um, they have tremendous value where they are. And the first one's Jack Hughes. His average draft position is 94.8 right now. Um, Hughes is like the only player in that mid-round area that I could expect to – or you can expect to make that – jump to maybe like 100 points this season, which would be incredible. He was on pace for 44 goals and 50 assists last year. And like, no one really seems to care. Like he's going in the middle rounds and he was on pace for over 90 points. Um, I think he should be going about three rounds earlier. And one of my philosophies, particularly this year, um, the wingers and defensemen and goalies is such a weaker position in comparison to center. And there's a couple names that are going in the, around the 11th, 12th round. And that's Mark Shifley and Rupe Hintz. With Shifley, you can basically pencil in 30 goals, 50 assists. Hintz has 40-40 potential, and their ADPs make absolutely no sense. So if you want to build your lineup uh, with wingers, defensemen, goalies early, you can fall back on Chifley and, and Hintz later in the draft. They, uh, In comparison, their average draft position and my rankings, they have the two largest discrepancies between ADP and my rankings. So very high on both of them, and if you want to fill up weaker positions early, that'd be a good route to go. A couple more sleeper-ish names. Uh, first one's Vincent Trocek. He's going to slide just 
just right in for Ryan Strome. He's going to be uh, playing on that second line with Panarin. He's going to be on the top power play unit. And Panarin's made every single center he's ever played with fantasy relevant, even Artem Anisimov. Um, so Trocek explores him. He's basically Ryan Strome. His ceiling is like 70 plus points. So I like him. His ADP is 157.7. Uh, Tyler Toffoli, I know you guys probably won't love hearing that one, but he's going to be playing on a line with one of the best playmakers in the world in Huberto and a, an elite two-way scoring center in Elias Lindholm. So it's hard not to like Toffoli's upside this year, and he's an absolute bargain going in the 14th round. Um, and there's not really that many good wingers that you can find that late in the draft. So I would take him three or four rounds earlier. Um, tremendous upside. And another uh, product from out West, Andre uh, Kuzmenko comes over from the KHL, the second in KHL scoring last year. And to me, there's just no risk in drafting him. He's barely being drafted, so you can pick him up after your draft. And um, He's playing with Elias Pettersson at 5v5. He's also going to be on the top power play unit with Brock Besser out, so he could get off to a really nice start uh, in Vancouver. And just one more name I'd like to throw out there. Um, he's kind of been rising up my rankings in the last couple uh, weeks. It's Phil Kessel. Uh, he's playing on a line with Jack Eichel. He's going to be on the top power play unit in Vegas. And he had 44 assists in Arizona last year. He only had eight goals, but he shot something like 4.7%. So you'd expect that to improve. Um, but he's got like 20 goal, 50 assist potential at the bottom of your draft playing in Vegas. So I think he's an interesting name as well. Moving along here, those are the guys you do like. But let's talk about some potential busts here. Who are a couple players who should not be going as high as their ADPs would suggest? Yeah, this one's really easy for me. Uh, Chris Kreider's current ADP is 26.8. That's the uh, beginning of the third round. And at that ADP, he legitimately needs to score 50 goals again. And he provides nothing in terms of assists. And he's just not shooting 20% and scoring 26 power play goals again. So unless he scores 50 goals, there's no point in taking him that early. So he will be on zero of my rosters. And Nazem Kadri is in the same boat, going a little bit later, but 66.8 ADP. Prior to last year, he averaged just 54 points per 82 games from 2013 to 2021. So we're not talking about a small sample size. And suddenly he's on pace for 100 points last year at age 31. I'm just not buying it. Uh, he got his bag. He's in Calgary. I'm willing to accept that maybe he's better offensively than he was early in his career. But like, what are we talking about here? 65 points, maybe 70. And there's just really no reason to take a 65 point strict center Iceman um, in the sixth round when you can get Mark Shifley in the 12th round. Yeah, that's a good point. That Kadri Shifley comparison is really interesting. And then it's not like Kadri is going from a spot where, you know, he's going to be playing on the first line or anything like that. Like you mentioned it, Huberto, Lindholm, and Toffoli is probably going to be that top trio in Calgary. Um, you're also a big betting guy. Uh, that's part of the content you put out at, over a daily face-off. So I want to wrap this up with a little question about who are some of your favorite season-long player props as well? Yeah, I don't bet a ton of player props because it seems like a long time to wait for uh, even money payout. Yeah. Uh, two names that I like are Jack Quinn and Matt Bermeers if you want to play like the Calder Trophy game. Um, those are, are names I like there. But in terms of just actual props, if I were to bet Kyle Connor over 40 and a half goals, you said earlier you like Kyle Connor, and he's probably my yeah. favorite fantasy draft pick of all this year. He's absolutely elite. Uh, he's a first-round fantasy talent in my opinion. He had the fourth highest time on ice among forwards last year. His shot volume is absolutely elite. He averaged over four shots per game last year. And if he does that again, he'll honestly coast to 45 goals. He's probably got 50-50 in him this year. So over 40 and a half goals for Kyle Connor, something that I like. Um, the next one's Matt Barzell over 62 and a half points. And I am by no means a Matt Barzell truther, but 62 and a half points kind of seems like his floor. Um, I really don't think that the Islanders coaching philosophy is going to change that much with Lane uh, Lambert coming in for Barry Trotz. 
But the one thing he might do a little bit is cut back on that fourth line's usage and get Barzell back closer to 20 minutes a night. And, like, let's be honest with this. Like, $9 million players should be getting at least 70 points, right? So 62 and a half seems like something that Matt Barzell can attain. But um, if, if I go three for four at the end of the year, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the one I get wrong. And the last two uh, seem just like easy money, free money to me. Kale McCarr over 77 and a half points. He was over a point per game in, in his career. Um, and if he's healthy, it's just free money. People are debating whether or not um, he'll get over 100 points, which I believe he'd be the first defenseman since 1992 to do that. So um, if we're debating whether or not he's going to get over 100, I really don't know why the over-under would be set at 77.5. Seems easy to me. And then I already mentioned Jack Hughes potentially getting to 90, 100 points this year. His over-under is 72.5. And, and he was on pace for north of 90 last year. So this is basically a bet on whether or not Jack Hughes is going to stay healthy or not. And I'll take my chances. I love all four of these. The Jack Hughes one specifically, like I think he could crush that thing by 25 points a season if he stays healthy. Health, of course, being the thing that always makes me nervous with these season-long player props. I got burned last year on McKinnon just because, you know, a guy misses 10 games and all of a sudden the projections kind of have to go out the window. I'm putting you on the spot with a quick rapid fire one. I know you do a lot of these sort of player projections. What do you got Connor McDavid at this year for points? Uh, north of 125. He's uh, he's okay. the only player that I have uh, around that range. And that's why he's my clear cut number one. I think I, if I'm not mistaken, I've got him at 128. If, if I have that correct, I don't memorize them all, but yeah, like his production is just so incredible. And like, to talk about projecting a player for 125 points is not something I would have even considered a few years ago. Um, and then when it comes out, like sometimes like I project him and I'm like, man, like this might be on the low end. Like who knows where he could go really? Yeah. hundred uh, percent. appreciate the time, man. This was some really great insight. Excited to have you on throughout the season. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And if you haven't done uh, your fantasy hockey drafts yet, we have a absolutely loaded draft kit at Daily Faceoff rankings, projections for over 650 players. So if you haven't done your draft, check it out. And if you want to get a little more podcast content, Brock hosts the DFO Fantasy Podcast as well. A bunch of previews in there. Big shout out to Brock for joining us. Let's get to the wrap. Digging into the chat a little bit, I was asking you all for your Evan Bouchard contract predictions or what you would like to see him sign. Um, Bison King Stan says as low as he'll go for eight years. And I mean, at 22, I, I don't think it would be an eight-year deal. The sweet spot I kind of have for both player and team would be giving him, I think, six seasons. If you were to go six seasons with Evan Bouchard, I believe that would take him to essentially his age 29 season. And with the cap, I mean, the cap could be $100 million by the time he Bouchard's 29. I think it'd be a win-win for each side if you were to go something like six by six, which is exactly what John suggested. Give some term, give some chance for the Oilers to get a value deal. Evan Bouchard gets a guaranteed $36 million without totally losing out on the ability to kind of bet on himself a little bit. Because again, if you can get to unrestricted free agency while you're still in your 20s, look at what Nazem Kadri was able to cash in on, right? Lots of guys you can really get another big ticket in your career. So six by six, I think makes a ton of sense. Um, Dawes said he'd go four by 5.8. To me, if I'm going to pay north of five and a half, it, it's got to be a six or seven year term. Uh, Dylan was in just like John and said six by six would be awesome. Kyler says seven million by eight years. 
again, eight years would bring Bouchard to like 31 when he's a UFA. I, I think that might just be a little bit too long. Um, and fishing stuff, the name so unique in our chat said he would go eight by five and a half. I think Bouchard doesn't even doesn't even consider that one. Um, let's wrap up the show by bringing in our friend Liam for a little bit more uh, betting talk. Yes, there's yes. Liam. We're what do you got? <laughs> We're on the Western Conference today. We're going to take a look at, uh, you know, who the favorites are coming into it. And obviously the Colorado Avalanche are coming in as the clear-cut favorites, which is to no one's surprise, really. And then you have the yeah. Edmonton Oilers and the Calgary Flames as one-two punch as it comes up here. Mm-hmm. Flames coming in at plus 650 and the Oilers at 700. Vegas is an interesting team to have in there. I mean, obviously the injuries haven't been factored into this yet, I suppose, plus 850. I do not mind the Minnesota Wild at plus 900. I know they're kind of, this is the first year they have the real implications on Parise and Studer, but they have a very strong team. But I mean, plus 700 for the Oilers, I think that's really good value considering they went to the Western Conference Finals last year. Well, yeah, they were closer than everyone on this list, not named Colorado. So to get them at plus 700, I think is great. One team I don't mind is the St. Louis Blues. Um, That forward group Mm -hmm. is still really good, even without David Perron there. Jordan Binnington between the pipes. I think they're almost a similar team to Calgary in the sense that they may not be quite as good as they were in the regular season. Maybe they finish in the high 90s for points instead of breaking 100. But come playoffs, when you can just, again, See if Bennington can get hot. We've obviously seen him do it before. He's got a ring. That forward group still has some upside with Kairou and Thomas and other pieces in there. Buchnevich is another name. And they got some LTIR space if they want to fill out their blue line a little bit as well. So I don't mind the blues. I don't hate your pick of the wild. And as Homer as it sounds, I think right now the Oilers at seven to one. Like betting on the abs is dumb right now. Don't do that. You'll get mm-hmm. them at a better price throughout the year or at plus 170. You're better off just finding more creative ways to get them on a futures bet. Not worth it. But the Oilers at seven to one, I think, is worth a shot. Um, we'll, we'll have a little bit more on some season long bets later. But as always, our betting content is brought to you by our friends at Betway. And uh, that is all the time we have for today. Appreciate everyone who contributed in the chat today that was a lot of fun we'll be back tomorrow with a friday edition of the show as always come to you live from the sports closet studio we need another s if someone has a line on where i can find one please let me know share the show tell your friends about it until then we'll be back tomorrow with another edition of oilers nation every day 